Was that was that a whole uh, whole? Oh, oh, no, oh, oh no 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 no! It just uh, my my cup just fell. Sorry. Oh shit. <laughs> I was gonna be like, whoa, Dirk Diggler, easy there. <laughs> I just played Dirk Diggler for the the script reads. Oh, okay. Um, and and the whole time I was, it's like every time I'm reading reading the script, I sounded like I was questioning everything because I was doing my Marky Mark voice, or uh, mm-hmm. or I'm just kind of like you know, yeah, come on. I mean, we we can always be better. Otherwise, you know, it, it's like what it's like what Napoleon said. Uh, Mr. Uh, Tiberius, uh, turn tear down that wall. Say hi to your mother for me. Um, I, I don't. I don't think I'd be able to take any character by the name of Dirk Diggler seriously. I mean, I, I feel like that there's just a strong disconnect between what I've been doing versus what you've been doing. And I guess full disclosure, because we may as well start. Um, yeah, I think this is our intro. <laughs> what What I've been doing, you know, because for the past week and a half, I've been I've been sort of down. And, you know, off the show, I I have my reasons, or I had my reasons, should I say. But last night, I was in such a, a state of boredom. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I hadn't felt in a long, long time, and I really wanted to draw. And I'm like, what what can I draw? Like, what what can take up a good hour, two-hour chunk of time? And I realized something. The one thing that's been keeping me held together for this past week and a half is overly violent, incredibly hokey Korean dramas. <laughs> more, uh. most specifically, uh, Squid Game. <laughs> Squid mm. Game is stellar. It is stellar in every regard of the word. And I have not finished it. I'm actually on episode seven. But, mm-hmm. uh, oh, man blows hunger games blows any i just dropped my pen blows mm-hmm. any battle royale movie mm-hmm. tv show out of the water i would even go so far as to say that it blows the original battle royale with uh oh uh oh god what's his name he he like he wore so many hats he was like an artist painter director writer illustrator oh, nice. oh um james uh, franco oh, oh uh, uh takeshi takeshi katana takeshi katana that was his name he was in battle royale he played the uh sort of the main guy who facilitated the entire event Mm. if you haven't seen it great movie incredibly hokey um because if you watch it dubbed in english you want to shit yourself with laughter it is that (laughs) funny um in squid game uh, battle royale or squid game battle royale squid game they managed to make the dub sound decent I wouldn't say that I would prefer it over subtitles, um, mm. but it's not the worst I've seen. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I, I, you kind of explained more than literally anybody or anything else has with regards to Squid Game, because I've seen pictures here and there, mm-hmm. uh, like promotional stuff for it, and all I keep thinking about every time I see those pink jumpsuits with the masks 
all I keep thinking are the masks and the red jumpsuits from Money Heist, the yeah. show on Netflix, or La Casa de Papel, which I'm on the edge of my seat right now, knowing I've got one little bit left this year, which I think is dropping in December. Um, it's like the last half of the last season. And I'm just like, Duh! but uh, <laughs> just like, be here already. Um, right, but, right, right, right. Um, but, I, I mean, I could, I could fill you in on it. Uh, you know, I won't spoil anything for you because I, I do feel it's a show that legitimately needs to be seen to believed. And I yeah. think sort of the hype that's surrounding it, I think nowadays, or at least at this point in time, it's the most popular show on Netflix in 90 countries. Hmm. So that kind of lends itself to its uh, its reputation. Because I know yeah. Money Heist kind of had a, 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 as far as I know, it still has the reputation of being like one of Netflix's, even though it wasn't originally a Netflix series, um, but the phenomenon around it has grown and grown. And that's especially felt in Latin America. Um, mm-hmm. So it's to think right. of a of a show that could potentially rival that is kind of astonishing, I got to say. And especially a show that is also in a foreign language, which, you know, the subtitle, the what was it Bong Joon-ho said last year? Um, uh, it was about like, oh, if only Americans can get over that yeah. three inch bit of script at the bottom of their screen called subtitle, something to that effect, like. Sister, yeah, I'm well past that. You know. You'd be you'd be able to sort of understand and appreciate what goes into you know the direction of the story. Now I, I remember that. You know, ironically enough, even if it's in plain ass English, native language for a good 23 years of my existence, I still need subtitles. Oh no! Like that's just that's just who I am as a person. Um, oh. I, I like just reading it on the screen as well. Mm. Uh, I guess when you you read growing up you kind of want to see it there you know it's not too distracting i think people make too big of a deal out of it but um uh, anyway squid game if you haven't seen it and i know that you haven't is a game a game not a game show but more so a series of events where you take uh it was there's about 400 plus people yeah, there's 436 contestants mm-hmm. and all deeply in debt in the state of South Korea, country of South Korea, sorry, and <laughs> is brought to this undisclosed location and, you know, essentially battle royale, winner take all at the end, you know, last mm-hmm. minute. You know, you've seen this in video games, you've seen this in movies. Uh, Personally, I think Battle Royale did it a lot better than Hunger Games, but that's just me. Uh, I know. I agree. I, I've actually seen Battle Royale. It's it's yeah, way better than Hunger Games. Absolutely. You know, I, th- there's a reason why Battle Royale was banned in the states, and Hunger Games was. I think it's it's a lot more watered down. But but anyway, mm-hmm. it, you it really depends on what you kind of expect out of a show like this and i'm no cinema expert nor am i a director of uh anything for that matter but people have had mixed feelings with this show uh some people say that it makes them feel uncomfortable uh to put it in perspective the first game that they play that these contestants play is red light green light and 
obviously you you and I have played red light green light when we were kids mm-hmm. I'm assuming you know you you stop oh, yeah. a red light uh only thing is is that if you fail to do so you get shot with machine guns and I got to tell you having watched a lot of asian dramas growing up the first time I saw a bullet go through someone's head and it is it is very graphic might I add mm-hmm. Um, I just busted out laughing. I was just like, are you shitting me? And me, and, me and my buddy, we just looked at it. And we just like started bawling with laughter because I, I get it. There is sort of a there's a different standard of uh, what you can show from here versus the rating system over over there. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know it's definitely intended to be dramatic. You know, it's tended to. It's intended to subvert your expectations of what's going to happen. But, I mean, you look at this and you kind of pinpoint it together. You piece it together like a puzzle and you're like, okay, you're going to an undisclosed location for an untold amount of money. Actually, no, they did tell it. It's, God, what was it, like 74.5 billion won, which if you want to directly correlate that to USD, it's a a little over 30 million. And Hmm. it's the type of show that you really go into inquiring about certain things um there's one pakistani actor mm-hmm. that caught me off guard i'm just like okay well what what's the pakistani population in, in south korea mm-hmm. and then and then you have to ask yourself well there's so many people here how many people are in debt in south korea and i come to find <laughs> out that, that makes up 104 percent of the nation's gdp and i'm like shit that is rough. So you kind of piece it together on your own if, if you are nerdy as, as hell about that kind of thing. At least <laughs> I. But I, I could gush on and on. Um, the photo that I posted to my Instagram last night was uh, seen from the first episode. I believe mm-hmm. it was the first episode um, where they're playing red light, green light. And I, I sort of put my own spin on it because you know everyone's heard of frank sinatra's fly me to the moon yeah jun woo does a fantastic job at doing this cover i highly Hmm. highly recommend you listen to it it's by far my favorite version of all time now wow so i mean it's only nine episodes if you can stomach a good nine ten hours of just bat shit (laughs) (laughs) Oh hey, bring it on, baby! I, you, you've you, you've sold me. I'm I'm gonna check it out. Yeah. Um, you would you will not be disappointed again. You know, if you can handle sort of the graphic the graphic nature of it. Oh, I mean, yeah. you've watched Battle Royale. You know, you you know what to expect. I mean, in yeah. turn, the definition of Battle Royale is last man standing, and that yeah. is achieved through killing. So. Ugh. um yeah no squid game watch it uh definitely my new favorite show now i'm I'm sure in a good couple years i'll i'll be like oh i used to obsess about that show (laughs) but i think but but it's funny it's funny though because i'm on netflix watching it and in my sort of related searches Mm -hmm. there is another show Mm. and i'm like at first, I thought, okay, well, that was fast. You know, there, there's a lot of, uh, there's definitely a lot of, um, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Not so much copying as there is like sort of genre similarities. I mean, genres right. exist. I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Alice in Borderland. Okay, I've I've heard of it. Yeah. And and just reading the description, and I'm not here to knock the show by any means, because I mean, seven point seven out of ten on IMDb is uh, I don't know it. That definitely uh, correlates a watch. It isn't. It isn't Master of Disguise, which is a good thing, which is the lowest rated movie of all time. <laughs> Obsessed gamer uh, Arisu, my apologies for butchering that, suddenly finds himself in a strange emptied out version of Tokyo in which he and his friends must compete in dangerous games in order to survive. That about sounds like what Squid Game is. Mm. Um, and there's even comparisons and contrasts here on Google of, oh, which is better? Wow. I'm biased, so I can't really answer that now. Uh, so there you go. I, I mean, oh, original language Japanese. Yeah, it's a. Looks like it's a Japanese anime. No, it's an actual show. Oh, okay. It's an actual. What the hell was I looking at then? Uh, Cause I just pulled it up. Oh, okay. I accidentally pulled up the manga series so excuse me it wasn't an anime it was manga i'm sorry I'm so sorry 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 i'm so sorry listeners i'm sorry i'm not an expert on this i'm sorry <laughs> is it is it is it evangelion or even i'm not gonna get into it so i'm sorry listeners um see yeah, i no, always go TV back show. i always go back to the standalone comment made by samuel L. jackson when people asked him oh does, oh do you watch anime and he's like yeah i watch hentai too and i'm like Mint. Fucking stellar, bro. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a gateway drug. Oh, my God. No, I'll, like I said, I'll definitely check it out. I Over the last few years, I've, I've meandered through different foreign language shows, whether it's La Casa de Papel or what was the other one? There was another Korean drama that I watched a little bit of last year. I think it was called Itaewon Class and... My God, like from episode one, like at the very end of episode one, you're just thinking to yourself, man, this is just like really brutal, boring YA. Oh, my God. Somebody just got hit by a car like it. it right, right, right. So it's, because, because look, I, I remember hearing this comment mm-hmm. from I think it was like a comedian or like political commentator, but they were they were talk, talking about Ghost in a Shell, right? The, yeah, the anime yeah. movie and then they were subsequently talking about akira and then they made some some comment being like there is no japanese word for pacing okay and i'm not sure if this spans across it's all asian media all asian drama but i feel that i i always used to feel that sort of the hokiness was because of like obviously it's a different culture it's a different perspective and i'm not dogging mm. on it, obviously but i always felt like these episodes of shows that I watched in the past, like it's not so much that I didn't understand them, but they weren't told in a way that made sense structure wise. Right. And then I come to find out as I get older that it's a different structure altogether. It's a different set of expectations when it comes to consuming media in that rating system of the world. And so I'm like, okay, Squid Game and, you know, manga and anime and, and other mm-hmm. things that I've since sort of uh 
locked in the cellar because I, I think there was a brief period of time. No, really, there was a brief period of time growing up. And I don't know if you maybe experienced this with other people around you, but mm-hmm. there was a brief period of time where it was just sort of uncool to watch or read anime or manga. And I think like as a result, it was sort of encouraged that you bullied those who did. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's really unfortunate because you end up missing a lot of great stories. You know, oh, you're a nerd. You're a weeb. You're an otaku, whatever. I'm sure one of those is a slur. But yeah, one of I remember one of those getting thrown my way. And that's just because I was completely ignorant, just because I never had interest uh, past a certain point. Right, 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 right. But it's one of those things where it's just like now I think people just don't care. I don't think people oh, care yeah. back then so much as they just wanted to say, oh, I'm right, you're wrong. In a lot yeah. of ways, too, it, it goes into the fact that we're now in this world where everything, quote unquote, nerdy or, or niche is popular. You know, whether it's something like, you know, again, with, you know, animes get anime getting adapted into live action or, you know, all the superhero films, hell, all the new Star Trek shows that are trying to be cool. You know, it's kind of like all that stuff is popular because it makes money, but now it's like, hey, it's cool. You know, it's cool to like it. Yeah, like like, like it's cool now. You know, oh, it wasn't cool back then, but now, like, you you sort of hop on the train and... I don't know, like, I think what sort of drew me into something like Squid Game in particular (laughs) is because I typically don't watch Netflix. Right. Um, You know, I admittedly there there was a brief period in my life where i sort of dogged netflix and like streaming platforms in general because i was always hammered into it by social media mm-hmm. i don't think i could ever attest to mm-hmm. social media telling you that you know you're spending so much time on social media ironically but you're also spending so much time you know watching these shows on netflix when you could be going out with six-figure business ideas and it's just like (laughs) i think you know it's really damaging to those impressionable because it's like you legitimately feel like the stuff that you enjoy doing is such a time waster that you have no inclination to do it whatsoever. It no longer brings you joy. And when you do find yourself in a situation to actually set some time and watch a show, you can't even appreciate it because you think that you could be doing something else, right? Right. And I'll admit, I think publishing paved the way for that attitude. And if it's if there's one thing that I can be appreciative about not publishing anymore, it's that mm. mentality that came with it. Because what because right. sitting down watching Squid Games, watching it watching it dubbed, I know. Don't crucify me, please. I think the dubbing is all right. And then watching it subtitled, so you know I made the switch. It made me appreciate like, oh, I can actually consume media because I'm an adult who makes adult decisions. <laughs> <laughs> that does that doesn't have to be uh that doesn't have to live his life vicariously according to internet gurus and hotshots that wouldn't know financial independence from a hole in their ass and would rather just flash it. So <laughs> it sucks. It really does when like people tell you that you should be living your life differently when all you want to do is just watch a show. Yeah. So, you know, and to be fair, like, you know, especially with something like Netflix, I mean, let's face it. 
yeah, there's a lot of stuff that there's a lot of different content that kind of becomes part of the zeitgeist and you know you start seeing references to something everywhere like i've been seeing squid game stuff for several days now and i've or and maybe not even several days i i don't know when when did it all pop up on netflix it was Honestly, within the last I, week right i want to say that it happened last week week and a half ago and keep in mind this was a show that hasn't been greenlit for 10 years Right. No, that so, that part I read about earlier today. Yeah. Yeah. So you can kind of imagine the uh, the lightning in a bottle effect that this show had. Not to mention mm-hmm. that while there's media out there that definitely already exists in this nature, mm-hmm. I don't think that there's really a show that comes close to the effect that this show has had, because as mm. Much as I would love to, you know, kind of point the finger, you know, similar to how South Park does it with, oh, Simpsons did it. You know, I would do it like, oh, Battle Royale did it, you know. Um, Nobody cares about that, unfortunately. I I guarantee you more people have watched Squid Game than they have Battle Royale. Or more people have watched Hunger Games than they have Battle Royale, you know. At this point, probably, yeah. So, you know, if, if what this show accomplishes is... Number one, allowing for more vicarious violence in shows. Fucking Godspeed, because <laughs> Lord knows that to some people that's catharsis. <laughs> um, but also to be experimental in these types of topics. Like, mm-hmm. it's violent, it's gory, it's conspiratorial, it's hokey, dumb, fun. Like, if you want to, if you want to put it bluntly, you know, because... A lot of people happen to be enjoying this. Must be doing something right, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's face it. What else is there at the moment that is grabbing people's attention, especially on a streaming service? It's not uh, the new Hall set in L.A. movie, and it's certainly not the uh, Sopranos prequel, which I just saw both of those, and eh, eh. Eh, yeah, you know, I feel like the or is this? I feel like the Sopranos prequel announcement garnered more of a hype than like the actual movie. <laughs> yeah, I'll say I'd say that because it's true. Like honestly, the hype around it was bigger than the actual hype, and because the movie was what it was, it was kind of like, okay, did we really need this? Like we went from I need more Sopranos to we didn't need any more Sopranos. Like it's kind of weird how just seeing a movie that people were actually excited about completely upturns their expectations on a pre-existing property that is so grounded. And then to get something that was just like a fart in the wind. And it's kind of like, eh, I'm just going to go back and watch uh, the show, mm-hmm. um, which is how I feel. And, and with the Gyllenhaal thing, it, uh, the movie's called the guilty it's a remake of a foreign film from Europe. And I mean, it was okay. Like it was made during COVID kudos, I guess. Uh, surprise, surprise. There's a wildfire, right? Like right on the Hollywood Hills. Um, again, surprise, surprise ish. <laughs> um, ish. You know, I, I, I'll put it this way. And this is my, my short review for it. The three movies that I talked about last year, his first three, 
L.A. movies are better than this one for sure. Um, just because there's more to it than, you know, just a guy in an office screaming into a headset. <laughs> so, uh, and also I will just say, Jake, my man, you did not drink your Alka-Seltzer in that movie. You took Alka-Seltzer, you put it in the glass, it fizzed. That glass was full for like 10 minutes. I know you don't shower, but for God's sake, man, if you got gas, just down the Alka-Seltzer. Just down it. Just down it. What are you doing? Just down the Alka-Seltzer. Anyway, um, I'm not kidding. I my, my dad walked by my door and he heard me saying that exact same thing. And I was like gesturing at my laptop as I was watching it because I'm like, I'm like, you've been on the phone with whoever for 10 minutes and your glass is still full. Right. I'm, uh, what can I say? I'm passionate about my uh, antacids. Anyway, um, <laughs> back to back to stuff that's popular and, and, and streaming. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, you know, if, if Squid Game is able to capture that, especially right now where, again, there, there's really nothing grabbing anybody's nothing else grabbing anybody's attention or hype Uh i mean matrix 4 could be great maybe i don't know we'll see it'll be a a great i I will say i will say there is a matrix related joke in squid game and Mm. i think you'll bust out laughing when you see it because like i said the attitudes on some of these characters are just beyond like it's not so much the violence that makes me just want to cackle with laughter because of how just insane it is and how like these characters react like if you can make the disconnect that obviously this isn't brandon lee in the crow nobody is Mm -hmm. dying on set here okay so if (laughs) you can probably insensitive for me to say but (laughs) if you can make that disconnect and basically be like okay well this is some very good acting then you can appreciate the violence, number one. It's similar to Joker, definitely, in that regard. But okay. the characters, the emotions that some of these characters have, and there are legitimately, mm-hmm. there are heart-wrenching moments. Mm-hmm. I have not finished season one. Uh, there's only one season so far. Um, but there are hysterical moments that, to that uh, director's credit, it, that humor... That heartfelt emotion, you know, that you feel, whatever it may be, that is universal. I guarantee you, you hmm. will bust out laughing, despite it being in a radically different language. And and again, too, I, I know I mentioned it at the beginning of the conversation, but like, and, and maybe I, I kind of got this vibe from looking at a money heist fan Instagram account that pointed, that pointed this out, but, you know... And, and granted, I, I can't look into the minds of the of the filmmakers to say whether or not it was deliberate or if Netflix made it deliberate. But the jumpsuit mask combo, it's popular around the world. Like it's it's such a simple thing, yeah. you know, a, a red jumpsuit and the and I forgot it's supposed to be a Salvador Dali mask. And obviously in Squid Game, it's masks that have like circles or triangles on them. 
Right, right, right. Um, so I always I call them the PlayStation masks because you have this square, circle, and triangle. And there's <laughs> that's no what hands, I've been calling them too. You know, right. <laughs> so I first saw them, I'm just like, oh, that's that's interesting. Um, but you know, we already have people on Etsy coming up with the jumpsuits of the players, coming up with the I call them hazmat suits for the uh, uh the soldiers, mm. or the employees of the game. Mm. Uh, I can't remember what they're canonically called, but uh, you have both sides selling, you know, selling out. Right. Yeah. And, and, but I mean, visually, it's iconic enough to where if the show is a success, then you've got, you know, it, it all goes back to that wonderful scene in Spaceballs about merchandising. And uh, that's... <laughs> That's something that, you know, Money Heist has had, and it's certainly something that I think this show is going to have. And and again, you know, the the fan website or the fan Instagram account that I was looking at was basically kind of like, hmm, this looks familiar. Hmm, interesting. OK, I see you. I see you. It's yeah, OK. Um, And, you know, I mean, it, if it's all Netflix, then there's a part of me that's kind of like, OK, well, you know, if they cross pollinate ideas I actually don't mind that as long as it's different enough that it doesn't give me this feeling of uh, just we're going to just jerk off the same thing over and over again. Kind of like, you know, we've talked about it before several times this season, but like Rogue One, you know, hey, remember this? Remember that? Or a better a better example. uh, And it works because it's within the D.C prop it's a dc property but like when Zack snyder made watchmen he had no idea he was ever going to do a movie with batman in it so make night owl look a little bit more like batman okay i I mean that's creative and and they are similar thematically so it works and in this case again i i have to watch the show i i I got you know i got time between now and uh the sacred day of october 17th when succession returns to hbo and i'm oh i'm so ready i'm (laughs) that's a show my friend i think you would get a kick out of um it's it's like veep except the humor is certainly toned down but just the dysfunction and you know all of the the sort of corporate bullshittiness of running a giant media company it's so entertaining and to watch this family completely eviscerate itself um (laughs) oh my god it's 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 easily one of the best shows on tv and you know there's two seasons already out i just watched both of them in preparation for season three it's i I, that's something i got to look forward to which hopefully you know I'll, i'll I'll de- well, not even hopefully. I will fit in uh, Squid Game before then. Right, um, right. And then, of course, we can't forget the sacred, the other sacred day this month, October 22nd. It's been so long. We already did an episode on the book. Uh, I know you read some of it, but it's finally here. It's finally here. Dune is on its way. Yes. <sighs> the spice will flow. <laughs> <laughs> So it's that's it's definitely gonna, that's definitely going to be an episode where I think uh, for all intents and purposes, I'll probably keep a little bit quiet because I know you're <laughs> going to want to have some things to say. 
Yeah, no, I, I remember I saw that commercial and I'm just like, oh, holy moly. Sini's <laughs> gonna, it's gonna flip a shit. I'm, I'm amped. I, I will say, I mean, right about now, there's nothing else that I'm as excited for other than, you know, I'm, I'm still cautiously optimistic for the, the Batman next year, but. The Batman. Yes, the, the Batman. Um, with Edward Cullen, uh, <laughs> or rather, as I always refer to him, oh, Cedric Diggory, oh, yes, I, Batman's I watched, a Hufflepuff. Uh, I watched Twilight a couple weeks ago for the first time. I, I know, oh, I'm, Atlanta. uh, I'm, uh, what is it, 14 years late? <laughs> yeah. came, out, came out in 2008, right? Mm-hmm. You know. Something like that, yeah. I'm watching it and I realize I realize a couple of things. One, nobody on set know, knew how to color correct any frame out of that entire fucking movie because it was always stuck on blue. Yes. Number two, 2008 must have been a whack time in regards to uh, <laughs> been casting because Kristen Stewart's mannerisms on camera. Because there is no feasible way that this would have been allowed to exist on set, on film, on DVD, to be bought and sold with those head movements, with those mannerisms, with that way of speaking. You know, I get it. Directors are often looking for something very specific. That's why they have casting calls. But my God, it's (laughs) I'm glad that she's come a long way since Twilight. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm just like, you know, because I read the book and you can't, you know, when you're reading a book, you sort of piece together, you sort of piece together characters, how you see them from your own perspective. But when yeah. you have it right, right there on the screen, you're just like, wow. I never thought I'd say this. I'd rather read Twilight than watch Twilight. I mean, I'd rather do neither, but my god uh no i just um you know throughout the story i'm just i'm i couldn't believe it i'm busting out laughing at every single turn because it's so you know at least the hokiness in regards to korean violence is justified and it's fun to watch this was not (laughs) twilight was not fun to watch in any regard whatsoever um it, it was fun to watch how bad it was but I think there's certain movies that you can sort of make an argument for. Like you make an argument for the prequel trilogy of Star Wars and you say, okay, that that's bad in comparison yeah. to four, five and six, but in comparison to seven, eight and nine, these are pretty good. Right. It, well, I, you know, I haven't watched any of the other twilight movies, but I've gotten the oh. same sort of lack of pacing critiques, uh, dumb dialogue, dumb action, you know, love triangles that often spiral off into nonsense. So I, I have seen, uh, uh, this admission. So I have seen the first three films and I think I read actually read because yes, I was one of those guys that was like, I want to be versed in the culture and if I can impress people, why not? Uh, I did read the first two books. I couldn't get any. I, I don't think I was able to get far past chapter one of book three. I, I can't remember 
completely, but I did see the first three movies and, you know, it was just one of those things where I just was like, oh my God, there's like in hindsight, like at the, I'll put it this way at the time, it was kind of going in a loop where the first movie felt like it was a, a okay kind of starter. The second movie I actually was fine with for a while because I liked a lot of the indigenous history they made up and incorporated for the story. Um, plus right. there was a lot of indigenous actors in it that I like that showed up. So I was kind of like, okay, well, this is redeeming because I'm pretty sure Graham Greene the actor, not the author. I'm pretty sure Graham Greene showed up and I was like, oh, my God, it's holy crap. What's uh, Kicking Bird from uh, Dances with Wolves doing in this movie? Into the West. That's a great miniseries. Yeah, he he was in New Moon. Um, mm. Oh, God. And he was in uh, the last movie, which I didn't I I, I just said no. By By that point. I was already way too old and I was like, you know what? This whole twilight thing is I, I've grown out of it and I hope everybody else has that pretty much was true too. Um, and I thought the third one was fine at the time. Like I thought it was actually kind of funny in hindsight. I'm like, Ryan, what were you thinking? Um, <laughs> but also don't forget too. I, and I, I may be wrong, but if it came out in around 2008, that was around the time, uh, which is it's kind of poetic with something that I didn't think this would be a segue to bring this up. But I don't know if you've followed any of the recent news with uh, IATSE, the uh, like one of the biggest film and TV unions in the whole country is basically ready to go on strike. Yeah, no, I, I uh, saw that and I see bumper stickers and sort of like uh what is that like back window decals of it yeah international yeah. alliance of theatrical stage employees moving picture technicians artists and allied crafts of the united states its territories and canada known as simply as the international alliance dot 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 and no i'm not reading off of wikipedia why would you guess that <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh labor unrest that's what they're calling it yeah well the reason why I bring this up, especially with regards to 2008 and, and with regards to, you know, Twilight coming out is I'm pretty sure Twilight was safe from the writer strike, which took place around that time period, because there were a lot of movies that were affected by that, including uh, the trans the first Transformers sequel came out the year after. And obviously it had no story and people were like, uh, e even that's just it. Like, because I was a Transformers fan, like, I was able to excuse that movie at that time. But there is no fucking story to that film. Um, no. Anyway, uh, but like that movie came out. Um, Daniel Craig's second outing as James Bond, Quantum of Soul Ass came out. And that movie, Just Say No. Um <laughs> So the fact that Twilight kind of got out of that whole thing unscathed and did actually did, I think, better than those other two movies. I mean, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, I know, made money, but you can make a good you can make a bad movie and still make a lot of money off of it. Um, right. Transformers four. 
Um, <laughs> I'm an inventor. Oh, Optimus Prime, he's my best friend. Um, <laughs> sorry, I had to sneak my Marky Mark in there. Uh, my friend, Dirk Diggler. Um, <laughs> Bumblebee, save Dirk. <laughs> Just. like i see i see these these memes where like they take a famous voice or like a like a voice uh, sample or whatever and they do like this automated text-to-speech and lately i've been watching a lot of regular show lately i mean you've you've seen regular show to a degree to a degree i have like you you know benson right it's like I, I, like the like the gumball machine or whatever yeah, 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 yeah. it's like yeah, yeah, so yeah. mordecai what are we gonna do today dude i'm gonna say i'm gonna say a slur and then benson walks in mordecai and rigby if you say that then you're fired and these people are just <laughs> like you can put anything into this text-to-speech and it'll just spit it out right yeah and i think that's why people are having so much fun with it because you could do like optimus prime for example you could do cartoon characters like I'm going to say it, you know, I'm going to say the word or whatever. And then like, it just gets cuts off. Someone gets shot. I don't know. (laughs) It's just like the worst, the most degenerate form of humor. And I eat it up every time. Like I eat it like a guppy in a fish tank. It's so (laughs) fun. But yeah. um, Yeah. I, I mean, they're Twilight movies are bad. Um, what can I say? Uh, <laughs> That's your pitch. Twilight movies are bad. Well, <laughs> Twilight movies are bad. Um, but uh, no, I mean, well, with the IATSE thing, I guess what's kind of interesting about it is that even though, I mean, let's face it, late two thousands, we we were kind of getting out into this interesting era with big blockbuster films obviously you know the dark knight had just come out um i think the first iron man movie had just come out uh so we we were kind of on the precipice of <laughs> uh the dark times i guess and yeah like like it's it's kind of interesting to think now that you know that they're ready to go on strike and if they're not able to, you know, get this whole contract thing settled, I mean, does it bother? I, I guess the, the the easiest way to say is, does it bother us with regards to anything coming out? And I mean, for myself, like, there's not really a whole lot that I'm looking forward to that, you know, is is likely to be affected by this. Not to mention, like, they have every right to go on strike and, you know, I'd be I'd be out there with them. You know, hell, I got I, I've talked about my great uncle several times on the show. He he was a member. So I I certainly stand with them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, there's not a whole lot out there that I'm like, oh, no. Production of. uh I don't know. Uh, young Sheldon is gonna is gonna be hurt by the like. I I don't care. Like right, right, right. I mean, on the bright side, it's only a hundred dollars to join. That's good, <laughs> right? 
I never understood that, okay? There is just an overwhelming amount of inflation when it comes to something like this. Now, $100, that doesn't seem too bad. But do you want to know, and I don't know if you know the number off the top of your head, do you Mm want to know what the membership amount is for uh, SAG? I used to know it uh, back when I was working my old studio job, but I don't remember how much. How much was it? Now, now here's here's the uh, sort of the disconnect though, because to get SAG, I believe you have to have like a certain amount of lines or speech or some amount yeah. of screen time in order to get a SAG card. And you often see people uh, walking into auditions in the heart of LA with with their dick in one hand and their SAG card in the other, thinking that they're hot shit. Um, but let's just say you're not landing any gigs. Your agent isn't mm-hmm. landing you anything. You know, you're you're not booking anything. You could go this way of applying for membership. Uh, you got three thousand dollars to spare. Wow. But my point is that where is like where does sort of the delusions stop and the practicality begins? Because if we're gonna make this pay to play, why would anyone? go about it thinking that they have to get lucky you know like oh like i got the role it's sag accredited i'm getting my sag card like this is so great like Mm -hmm. there it's a crapshoot but if you have three thousand dollars to spare you could be just as you could be just as same as a member of the club as someone who i guess did it sort of the more uh i don't want to say theatrical way because that's a different branch of entertainment being produced Mm -hmm. I guess film and television. There you go. What are the eligibility requirements? <clears throat> I'm, I'm just looking at, yeah, initiation fee. $3,000. I just, you know, and, and here I thought that Club 33 was expensive. I mean, <laughs> Club 33 still is expensive. Yeah. As, as, someone who went, as someone who went to Disneyland recently, actually. Um. You know, you, you find it over near uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, $25,000 for the initiation fee and $10,000 a year annually to retain their membership. I'll pass. <laughs> I'm good. And, you know, even back in the early days, like, you didn't have a lot of big name, at least like, you know, we're talking almost 100 years ago now or, you know, the in the early 30s where you didn't have a lot of big names who were joining SAG early on. I mean, you had Boris Karloff, uh, who I think by that point had already, I think had already played Frankenstein, but he, you know, according to this article I just pulled up from the Hollywood reporter, uh, it might be the only name today's public would recognize. And obviously you got other names that, you know, names of people that became part of it, like Groucho Marx, Gary Cooper, Spencer Tracy. I know that James Cagney, joined it uh while he was working at warner brothers because there was i forgot which film it was i want to say i saw it might have been public enemy or the public enemy excuse me and he one of the films that they were making they were using real firearms and the point of that was so it would look as real as can be because you know whatever special effects technology they had at that time, it wasn't, you know, up to snuff it to what you would have decades later where you could simulate bullets hitting a wall or hitting something and not have it 
be from an actual gun. And, you know, there'd be times where he would have to duck from actual bullets hitting parts of the set. Right. And he was like, you know, I've had enough of this, Kappa. You know, and he didn't actually sound like that. But, like, <laughs> he, he did in his movies. But, you know, he had enough of it. And he kind of led a huge effort uh, to get as many actors at that point in time involved. Uh, says here, the main issues, main issues at the time were pay. Mid-level actors made about $66 for a six-day week, roughly $1,300 today. Schedules that required working late into the night and then having to be back on set at 7 a.m., not being paid for wardrobe uh, wardrobe fittings or tests, and the lack of arbitration for disputes. In the early days, it was rough, but, like, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I think you just got to look at it as, hey, man, that's uh, <laughs> that's pay for that's working show, on. That's showbiz. Kind of, yeah. Like, I, I hate, uh, I, hate I, I, I always try to avoid cliche, but, like. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's very. Ugh, there's something so just not. There's something just so disingenuous about about the field, and I, I don't mean to like just blanket, just blanket term terminology. It you know like just oh this whole industry's bad. Obviously not, but I don't know. I, I can't help but feel jaded in sort of some of the processes on how people are chosen or not chosen what they bring to the table, you know, mm-hmm. the whole, like the whole, like art being subjective, being like a, a, a footstone in the argument because it's like, Oh, this person isn't right for the gig. Well, that sucks considering that person puts so much time, energy and effort into studying the subject to the point where it's just like, it, it, it didn't even make a difference, you know? Right. And again, I'm sure not all casting is like that, but I don't know. I just feel like I feel like there should be a reformed system here. Well, and I think, too, like, you know, not to not to try and get overly political, but like some of it also has to do with like what what is promised to unions by political leaders and especially political leaders who have connections in Washington, but also direct connections with. With the unions, I mean, the. The only uh, union leader that we've ever had as president, I hate to bring him up for another episode once again, uh, Ronald Reagan. And in a lot of ways, he kind of helped the, you know, dare I say it, it was part of the Reagan revolution. But he kind of, because of his previous involvement as, oh, God, uh, I think I think he was a SAG president. Um <laughs> You know, he he was able to use that to his advantage in making the GOP look more like a pro-union party. And let's face it, that's that's still as as twisted as that sounds politically, given you know, no other country, ha- you know, unions typically don't vote for the right wing party except in the United States. And that's because it's basically it's paid off and it's ultimately been in a lot of ways to the detriment of a lot of unions in this country. And I think we're seeing that right now. And as much as we want to say Hollywood is this, you know, as much as Fox News wants to bash Hollywood for being so liberal, I mean, well, yeah, there's also limitations to liberalism, too, that's not so great for unions. Right. So, um, 
and that's that's something that I think is coming to a head right about now. Obviously, there's more details to it that we don't have enough time to get into, but like either way, it's it's very fascinating, and I'm I'm eager to see what happens going forward. Another thing too, I wanted to bring up, and this will be my last episode talking about it. Uh, I I finished up that Greg Grandin book, The End of the Myth, recently, and oh my god, uh, <laughs> I I still prop up what I said last week that you know it's probably one of the most, not only one of the best, but probably one of the most necessary history books that people ought to read. It's not Reaganland. It's not a thousand pages. It's relatively short, but it's written in, in an eloquent enough way that it gets to the point. It's suffice and or it's sufficient and it's uh, it narrows down all the points that you need to kind of understand what the whole idea of the frontier myth and how we're kind of now in this new era where we've finally been met with ideology that is completely undoing the frontier myth by basically saying we need to close off the frontier with a nice big wall we need a nice big wall along the border um (laughs) which you know is ironic given that we've gone outside of our own borders just to say oh look it's the frontier in cuba or the philippines or afghanistan or the moon um right right and and now we've kind of gone back to where we were sounding like the jacksonians uh except it's with regards to the border with mexico and oh that's the you know that's the frontier but it needs to be closed which for the whole idea of having a quote-unquote safety valve for your people is not really a great idea granin again continues to lay out the whole point about you know how the whole frontier myth has done a, a great deal of damage with regards to any kind of progress moving forward basically any kind of social progress because a lot of the same figures talking about the frontier emphasize the fact that this is going to benefit every individual person now dialectically that's going to make it sound like as though it's essentially every man for himself and therefore when enough people come forward and say hey we're being oppressed uh uh-oh these individuals aren't thinking individually oh no like you know it's it's (laughs) It's kind of a it's reaction, you know, and um, and a good a good example of it. I'll just kind of quickly point out that I, I would argue. I at least I, I personally would argue is, is kind of the predecessor to a lot of the issues that we currently have that are not being met because we're paying attention to other things. Um, one of the earliest examples was the. uh the Bureau of Refugees, Freedmen, and Abandoned Lands, which, you know, the shorthand term is the Freedmen's Bureau, um, which was founded by Abraham Lincoln, and it was uh, it was basically America's first major social program. And the idea with the Freedmen's Bureau, which, you know, it's kind of indicative based on its name, is to basically have the federal government step in and uplift, you know, freed slaves and and kind of lift them out of, you know, basically being in less than poverty following the end of the Civil War. And obviously with all of the all the kinds of efforts that we're gonna go into it, I'll just kind of briefly just kind of briefly read uh 
you know, settled just before his assassination, um, sending out thousands of agents across the South and setting up hundreds of offices. The Bureau distributed basic necessities, including food, medicine and clothing. It also founded thousands of schools, colleges and hospitals, resettled refugees, white and black, administered con- ad- administer. God damn it. Administered confiscated properties. Again, long story short, it was a social program that was meant to, you know, bring a whole group of people forward following in the Civil War. And unfortunately, uh, for the sake of looking bipartisan, Lincoln's successor, uh, who was, of course, his vice president, who took over after he was killed, uh, was a Democrat from the South, Andrew Johnson, horribly racist, horribly paranoid. Um, You could argue he was another Donald Trump of his era, much like his namesake, Andrew Jackson. And basically, as uh, to put it in in Granin's words, Andrew Johnson, who became president upon Abraham Lincoln's assassination in April 1865, thought these survivors should help themselves. And this was with regards to the Freedmen's Bureau and, you know, what more the government could actually do to step in. And he even went so far as to basically use the Freedmen's Bureau to get enough Southerners to support him. And remember, this is right after the Civil War. It's not like the South is ready to re-embrace the federal government after four years of conflict with Lincoln. Um, But Grandin puts it beautifully when he says, just as today, when simply mentioning a topic... Obamacare, say, uh, can call forth a whole racialized worldview whose details needn't be filled in. The phrase Freedmen's Bureau alone whistled its meaning. Here's the transcript from one of Johnson's speeches. Now, my countrymen, let me call your attention to a single fact, the Freedmen's Bureau, which is then met with laughter and hisses. So, and, and, you know, he kind of goes on from there talking about various other, you know, issues that would hit the country and how our response to it was basically to squash it or to kill people or throw them in a camp, you know, uh, it, it is still a pretty dark book, obviously. Um, but it's certainly something that I think a lot of people ought to check out to kind of get an idea. And especially, you know, to your point several episodes ago about like, I I don't know how, I don't know what's the best way to put it. You, You described it as kind of like, resolving politics or ending politics i don't know what how did uh i don't even remember how i put it i i I think i probably just wanted to be done with the conversation so resolving (laughs) ending sounds relatively close to what i was going for uh i think you said Hmm. i think you said did we solve politics i think that was what you said word for word did we solve politics right did we yeah we come to a uh conclusion of course we didn't and that was sort of my joke yeah yeah but i think too like for people out there that because you know believe me there are people out there that are like you know oh biden's president okay i can turn off and go to brunch you know it's it's kind of a trap that americans definitely fall into and it leads to really bad consequences (laughs) ronald reagan donald trump 2024 like you know if people are asleep behind the wheel and they're not doing enough then we all suffer for it but anyway it's right 
like I said, phenomenal read. I'm I'm checking out another book of his that I actually read in college that he's subsequently updated and expanded. Um, the Empire's Workshop. I actually made a recommendation of it to friend of the show Jovan Ramos because um, mm, he, okay. he had tweeted about uh, needing book recommendations and people were giving him all these weird, goofy, dopey suggestions. Um, and then I I sent him the bookshop link and and he responded to it. So uh, it, it was kind of funny. And, and plus, like I know he he's interested in stuff like that. So. Right, um, right. But yeah, um, trying to think. There was something else I wanted to quickly bring up. Oh, going back quickly to the the whole many saints of Newark thing. I think we just need to stop it with prequels, like all together. Let's. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, that that works. I could hang with that. I mean. I don't know. It's it's hard for me right about now to think of a prequel that doesn't just completely feel like a waste of space. I mean, I know there's people that don't like uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, but I mean, it's a prequel, but it's not like I'll I'd put it this watch, way. It's yeah, yeah. I'd I'd rather watch anything else besides Temple of Doom. Well, I'll, it certainly doesn't ruin Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, no, they're two different movies. It definitely yeah. doesn't ruin Last Crusade, and you you can thank your lucky stars that Last Crusade came afterwards. Oh, yeah. So. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's lighter, it's, you know, it's not as dark, duh, um, light, dark, duh. but uh, it's also just thematically more pleasing and engaging whereas temple of doom it's like oh look eating monkey brains oh look children's get uh children's oh my god i'm tired uh children getting tortured you know like right um, at the same time it's not like i mean i think the only plot hole there is you know oh in the first movie when he says i don't believe any believe in any uh magic or superstitious hocus pocus Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? Well, you saw a guy get his heart pulled out, and he was still alive. What do you call that, Junior? You know. Um, <laughs> but um, I will say, too, going also back earlier to what you had said about subtitles, I feel like I'm the last of the Mohicans when it comes to the whole subtitle thing. I, My folks are now doing it. My sister was already doing it. Um, you know, I, I knew somebody in... Brazil who had to do it because she was still learning English. Um, I I never had a problem with it. I, it would always be more convenient for me to not only hear what, you know, the actors are saying on screen, but just, Mm -hmm. just to be able to visualize what they're saying. I mean, it, it made me understand it. I know a lot of people, they find it distracting, but I, I, really hate to share i really love to share this life hack with you but you can actually change the size of the subtitles it could be Mm. as small as the but yes indeed indeed maybe some channels they don't allow you to do it but at least on streaming services they've had the decency to allow you to change size and shape of the subtitles hmm Um, fascinating on the computer, it's also a lot. It's on the computer, it's a lot easier because it's a lot more customizable. But 
they don't have to be in the way. Hmm. So, I don't know if there's anything that I can if there's anything that I can uh, say in this episode, it's to give it a chance. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think for me, I'll, I mean, obviously, if it's something that's, you know, being, you know, say it's in Korean or Spanish or Portuguese or, you know, whatever language it may be in Japanese, like I'm I'm fine with it. I frankly would rather hear the native language than hear it dubbed. Um, that's why Shin Godzilla in Japanese is that much better because I've heard it in English and it, you know, there's some Godzilla movies where it works and there's others where you're kind of like, okay, I, uh, I, 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 uh, Oh, this movie. Um, but if it's in, you know, if it's already in English, it just kind of becomes one of those things where I'm like, Ooh, the subtitle is going to match what they're saying. Ooh, is there going to be a typo? Ooh, oh, I'm, I'm going to check this out. Ooh, nah. I don't know. It's it's one of those things that I I, I feel like Jingich Gook from Last of the Mohicans. I'm I'm the last uh, last non English subtitler out there. Oh. Subtitleist. Well, I'm hey, not I'm go. not here to, I'm not here to bully you into having it one way or the other. As long as you can watch and appreciate the movie, who yeah cares? Um, but I guess if there's anything that you'd want to leave the listeners on because i've already gushed about what i re- what i've been watching and what i've been recommending but uh if there's anything you'd want to leave the listeners on please by all means yes i i realize we've spent this whole episode talking about netflix stuff and i've so totally buried the lead on something that just got onto netflix that i'm going to be watching the hell out of from now to judgment day and trumpet sound um Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, comrades and friends, the eagle has landed. The turkey has said, hey, buddy, George likes his chicken spicy. The soup is for you. Seinfeld is on Netflix. How many years did it take? Too many. Too many, yeah. buddy. Too many. <laughs> well, oh. after I finish uh, the last three episodes, I can uh, probably binge watch that. I've been looking. Hey, for there you go. And maybe you'll you'll. Uh, I think you already know, but you'll um, you'll find the background of one particular story that you and I have uh, talked about before with regards to a certain expression, or I'll put it this way, a certain salutation of mine that was fed, fed to me by, uh, by Seinfeld. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I guess, I guess if there was a way to end this episode, I guess I just got to leave everybody with a very simple, very curt, very short. Hey buddy. You've been listening to Mars on Life. Look up our show on Instagram and Twitter by searching at Mars on Life Show and give us a follow. Tune in to the latest episodes and bonus content from our show wherever podcasts are found, including Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher.
Also, don't forget to head on over to the official Mars on Life YouTube channel to like and subscribe our work. This show's artwork, Happy Mars, is by Zachary Urberick, while our intro and outro is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. Once again, I am Ryan Mancini, and my co-host, as always, is Sebastian Shug. If you keep going, you'll make it to Mars. Mars.